Well, good morning, GT Church. How are we all doing? Everyone good? Come on, come on. Man, what an amazing weekend. How many were a part of the Awakening Conference? How many people showed up? Awesome. Incredible environment. And we had an amazing time last night. I wish I could have been a part of the whole thing. Uh, and yet, hopefully, we'll bring a little bit of that spirit and atmosphere uh, today and tonight. I would say this. You should come back. Uh, if you like my preaching at all, you're going to love Liz. Uh, she, we saved the best for last. Let's just put it that I'm used to that in my life, but um, I want to just take a moment just to honor, honestly, your, your leaders and your pastors and the team and everyone who served to make this weekend uh, special and powerful. Anytime we have like a concentrated season or a weekend where we're like leaning into God, lifting up praise, learning and growing as leaders, the ripple effects of that will be significant, not just for this church, but I think for all of eternity. So can we just celebrate those that served, those that gave? Everything we were a part of, your awesome team and pastors, we love you. Andy and I get along on like a weird level almost, like we're just brothers and it's amazing. I said this last night, but if we're brothers, that means we're family and I'm that awkward ginger redheaded stepchild you didn't want. I was noticing how I look at on the screen, I've always wanted to be on a piece of pizza. It's like, it's ginger pizza up there. You know, my wife and I, we moved to Kansas City uh, 10 years ago, and um, actually, I, I think it was 10 years ago, uh, or sorry, 11 years ago, this coming Saturday, um, where God put it in our heart that we'd have a church in Kansas City. And it was honestly, I couldn't take credit for it, uh, nor did it make any sense. It was just kind of the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And we took it very literally, said, so you're going to have a church here. And we literally had a church just right next door to the hotel we were in when God put that message on my heart to have a church there. And and we moved to Kansas City and didn't know anybody. And it's one of those kind of fool's missions. And yet, uh, God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And it just has worked. And uh, we started a Bible study. And it just began to grow. And just this last March, uh, we became, because this is where I went to Bible college. It's kind of my pastor. was pastors Brian and Bobby. Uh, we became Hillsong Church uh, in the Midwest, which is pretty amazing and pretty awesome. And so we do have this in common. You guys are a part of an island church. I'm a part of an island church, Australia. And uh, it works out great. And I'm trapped there in the middle of nowhere, America, but God is doing something great. And uh, we've been talking about awakening, uh, awakening to our time, our place, our voice, our calling. Um, don't live dormant. There's a wide awake opportunity in this kingdom life that we're called to live in, where life isn't just about us, it's about what God can do through us. And, I think it's a perfect weekend to wake up to our, our sacrifice and serve in this season. Uh, because what are we, we're remembering what people did, the life that they laid down so that we could have freedom. In America, we call it Veterans Day. And you guys, are, we're, we're remembering people that went before us. Obviously, we're in a, a house, a church, that has an incredible, beautiful, long history. Uh, it's an overcoming church. It's a generational church. And we honor those that went before us. In fact, we know we didn't get here on our own. We're standing on the shoulders of people that sacrificed and gave and served, and now we're, we get our time and place. But the greatest way we could honor our yesterday is choosing today. We want to be a part of what God's going to do tomorrow. We want to lean into everything that God has for us in the future. And I, I think I just have a message for you. Hopefully it will wake you up to your, your daily purpose and daily opportunity for God to use you in a really special way. Can we pray? And then we're going to jump into the word. Would you join me? Lord, we love you. And we so desperately need you. Uh, we don't need just a little bit of a church. We need all that you have for us. 
And as we've gathered together, lifted up our praise, now we have open hearts to hear from heaven. And Lord, we will not be hearers only, but like Jesus said, we'll be doers. We're gonna be doers of the word. So Lord, I thank you that you use my words and my thoughts, but more than anything, your words and your thoughts would saturate the heart of every listener, every believer, maybe even those that aren't believers today. Lord, let them come home to your love and to your grace and awaken revival here at GT, awaken revival here on Vancouver Island. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen, amen. amen. Ephesians chapter one, uh, it's a, it's a, for the message paraphrase, it just simply states, know your place. Know what you're called to do. Uh, the Paul writes here in this paraphrase, I love just the way it's said. It says, the church, which we know is, it's not GT church, it's the gathering of believers. And here we are, we're, we're a church and we have a, a place where we gather, but we're the people of God. The, it's called, we're called the body of Christ. We're fitly joined together. Every piece, every, piece, every person has a place and a purpose it says, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. In other words, we're not on the outside of culture looking in. We certainly aren't on the outside judging the world. No, we're right in the middle of it. Our calling is to be right in the middle. We're in the center of it all, of what God's doing on the earth. We're the inside reaching out. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Listen, if we're absent, then there is no presence. If we're not engaged, if we're not involved, then there's no Jesus here in Victoria. There's no Jesus on the island. There's no Jesus in BC and all of Canada. If we don't do our part, so we need to awaken to our purpose, our place. And it's not just for conference weekends. Of course, when we gather at conference, we can get a word from heaven and God can speak something to us. It's actually everyday decisions that make a difference for all of eternity. Romans 12, verse 2, do not be shaped or conformed to the world. Instead, who transforms? We do. We transform by a new way of thinking or changing the way that we think or renewing our minds. I think so often in church, we look at the world to change. Like we need them to change. But that's there. It says, Paul writes that the change starts in us. Let the change begin in me. If we want revival, you got to understand revival is not a service. Revival is not a location. Revival is the presence of Jesus. And that's on the inside of us. Revival starts in me. It revival starts in me. And here we are, a part of a great church with a great history, but our future is even greater because why? We're going to be carriers of the presence of God on the inside. We're not just coming to a location to get everything for us. We're coming together to be awakened for all that God has for us to do. You know, I grew up in a super Christian home. Like anyone else, I grew up. My, my, my dad is a pastor. My grandfather was also a pastor. Both of my brothers are pastors. It is a genetic disorder in our family. <laughs> And I grew up like super church, like we were in church all the time. This is why I like to make jokes in church, because I grew up in like the most boring church ever. And like we were there Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, all day Sunday. Like we showed up more than the Holy Spirit did. And <laughs> I remember like we were so focused sometimes because I was in like the Bible Belt of America. And I was like, I was in the bubble of the Bible Belt. I was a bubble boy. And we just kept the world away. We were so worried about the world corrupting us, we didn't realize it's actually, we gotta change the way that we think. We're here to transform. 
We don't conform, we transform. We don't submit to culture, we resurrect culture. We change the culture around us. You know, a couple weeks ago, this was, it's a scary time if you grew up super protected in church because it was Halloween. Like, we did not do Halloween. It was not kids getting candy. That was worshiping Satan. And so we did Harvest Party, which I love. And I grew up Harvest Party, Hallelujah Party, whatever you want to call it. And we stayed separate. Now, my mom was the master of like taking a costume and outfit and making it like super churched. Like I had tan sweats, tan sweatpants, tan sweatshirt. I had a brown beanie on with brown yarn. I was a lion, but I was no ordinary lion. I was the lion of Judah. (laughs) My sister had a big purple sweatshirt on, big purple grapes. She was no ordinary fruit. She was the fruit of the spirit. How many know you can be too saved? You can be way too saved. We were way way too saved. But we used to hide out from culture. We were afraid of culture. But the truth is, if we don't get engaged with culture, if we don't realize we're here on purpose, if God didn't have a plan for us the day we got saved, he'd bring us home to heaven. But he has left us here because it's the church. And guess what? No one else is coming. Christ Calvary isn't coming down the hill. He's actually called and equipped and is asking you, will you play a part? Listen to the opportunity before us. Will you play a part in bringing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the broken world around you? The the hope of heaven lives in you and me. It's, It's the church, an ordinary group of people with an extraordinary purpose and calling that matters for all of eternity. Revival is a daily decision. Revival is a decision we make every day. And guess what? Your daily work, listen, your daily work carries a divine purpose. Everywhere you are, guess what? There's Jesus. There's the presence of the living God. There's the opportunity for something divine to happen. Jesus says if salt has lost its flavor, what good is it? It gets thrown out and then trampled by men. In other words, if we're not adding to the culture that precious taste and presence of Jesus, then no wonder we get run over in culture because we've lost our purpose. We don't hide out the lamp. No, we put it on a stand to bring light to the whole house. And how many know Victoria and Vancouver Island need more light? And the light's in you, the light's in me. Your daily work carries a divine purpose. What do you carry every day? Now, women, they have an opportunity to carry a whole lot more than men, naturally speaking. They've got the purse. How many know you can solve most world crisis with what your wife has in her purse right now? Now, guys, we run slim. I don't know about you. I have a a thin wallet. I've got my phone. I got my keychain. It's got my car key and two other keys. Now, I only know what one other key goes to. Does anyone have a key that's just there? You don't know why? You just use it to open boxes with? I've got that. And I like to keep it thin. My everyday carry is thin, mostly because I wear my eight-year-old daughter's pants, but... But the truth is, listen, every day what you carry is the presence and the power of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's daily presence. It's not just there for you to feel good in a worship moment when they sing the song that you like. It's there for every moment of your life to be guided by, directed by, encouraged by, and empowered by. Not just for you to feel good, but for you to bring the good, the good news about what Jesus has done to the world that's around us. And so we've got to wake up to what we carry. What do you carry? If you're taking notes today, I got a message. It's, it's simply titled, every day, every day expectation. 
I want to carry an expectation that although I don't have much to offer naturally speaking, Christ in me, the hope of glory, can show up at any moment. So I want to carry an expectation that God moments are happening if I'd be willing to, to lean in, to engage, to let God use, to let God use me. And everyday expectation, because your everyday can be mundane or it can be miraculous. The difference is, are you tuning in to what heaven is wanting to do? And we all have our routine. Life is filled with routines. My routine, I get up at six. I'm not fully awake. Anyone else? That's why you're at the 11 o'clock. You're one of me. And I get my like liquid anointing from God. I'm not talking about the blood of Jesus. I'm talking about coffee. Like Jehovah Java. And then I, I get my kids ready with Liz to, for school. And then we're on the road. And lately, I've been playing this game with my kids. It's like this you know, existential, hypothetical scenario game. You know it as, would you rather? You know what I'm talking about, would you rather? You bring up two ridiculous questions and you have to pick one. You gotta defend why you would choose that one. The other day I asked my daughter, would you rather have um, three ears or one eye? And she said, dad, duh, one eye. I could put an eye patch on and become a pirate. I was like, that's a great answer. <laughs> Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you. Uh, that was... That was divine. My son, he loves to play this game and he just makes up the most ridiculous would you rather's ever. He just makes them up in the moment. Dad, 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 would, would you rather be a shark that turns into a dog or a dog that turns into a fox? And I'm like, what are they teaching you at this school I'm taking you? I am homeschooling this child from here on out. But I have a would you rather for you. Would you, would you rather have a nice Christian life that's comfortable or would you rather live this kingdom adventure that's meaningful. See, as North Americans, as, as Westerners, we, as humans, we just gravitate towards comfort. We get into our routine, and we have our friend group, and we have our priorities in place, and we try to make life as easy as possible. And I think the calling of God on your life, it is, you're graced for it, but it comes with a cost, and the cost is, will I be willing to be uncomfortable on everyday moments so God can do extraordinary things through me. Do you want a comfortable life or a meaningful life? And it's not a one-time decision at Awakening Conference or on a Sunday morning. It's an everyday decision. Will I carry an expectation that God can do something by his grace and by his power if I'm available to be used by him? Every day can have divine moments because you carry the power of God. And that's what we see in Acts chapter three. Acts chapter three, I know this is really deep. It comes right after Acts chapter two. And Acts chapter two is the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And then we begin to see the outworking of the Holy Spirit. Obviously on that Pentecost Sunday, 3,000 men uh, give their life to Jesus. It's revival. It's revival like all of us would desire to be a part of. It's like a revival like this church was birthed out of. It's revival that I believe is coming to the island again in Jesus' name. And the revival breaks out. And then in Acts chapter 3, we don't know the full timeline. We just know that they get into their routines. In fact, just what we see, Acts chapter 3 just says one day. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. One translation says, as they were in the custom of doing. At 3 in the afternoon. In other words, they're headed to church. Now, there's a man there on this day that's there every single day. And his every single day carry was that he was carried to the gate called beautiful to beg for those going in to church. Verse three, when, they, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, because that's just what he did. 
But Peter had an expectation that something extraordinary could happen. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, hey, look up at us. The passage translation there says, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled by birth. I wonder how busy we are in our day-to-day life that we don't see, I think spiritually see these moments where there are crippled people. I'm not just talking about not being able to use their limbs. I'm talking about broken and crippled on the inside. Make sure we never lose the perspective. This is the beauty of being daily led by the Holy Spirit is that he'll give you this heart of discernment that it just has like almost like a, a homing beacon towards hurting people. In fact, you really know that you love God when you start to have a heart of compassion like Jesus did, moved by compassion for people in their places of need. This is why we can't just have church on Sunday. This is why we have to be the church every day. The body of Christ, if we go missing, then there goes the presence. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. I love that it says, and then taking him by the right hand. We need a hands-on faith willing to love people and engage people right where they're at. In other words, we're not just saying words. We're offering our support. We're walking with people. He helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. How many of this guy hadn't walked before? That was no ordinary walk. Like he was like, hey, I'm in the temple. Like, hey, I've been on the outside. Now I'm the inside. In fact, he's leaping and jumping with such jubilation that the people begin to see, wow, God's up to something. That's the same guy that's always been there begging, and now he's in. He's in the temple. He's in the church with us. And it says it brought wonder and amazement. You know, this is why we've got to take ownership of revival starting in us. The Bible says that one generation will tell the next the wonders of our God. Here we are. This church is a testimony of one generation being faithful. But I wonder what they will say in the next generation. I believe it's going to be even greater. We're standing on the shoulders of giants that have gone before us, and yet we've been lifted up to a place on purpose so revival can start in us. And we need to have an everyday expectation that revival isn't for what happens in the church. It's what happens in the community and in the culture as the church engages with people. You're all tracking with me this morning. I love that they went to this man who was just expecting another ordinary day, but Peter and John had a different expectation says that they went up to church. This man looked up and they helped him up. You know, this gospel that we preach is a message of elevation. It lifts you up. And if you're living low in your life, you need a, you need a, a revival in your own heart of how good Jesus has already been to you. You need a new revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we are called not to be defeated, but to be victorious and not based upon outward circumstances, but on inside conviction of how good God is. In fact, if you came feeling pretty down in life, you came to the right place. The gospel will meet you right where you're at, but it will take you to where you're called to be. God wants to elevate your life. Why don't you write this down if you're taking notes? This is the decision we have to make. We have an everyday expectation. We have to choose every day. I'm raising my own expectation. I'm not waiting for the worship song. 
I'm not waiting for my small group. I'm not waiting for someone else to get my head up. I'm, I have a perspective that God is in me and God is for me. And through me, God can do what only God wants to do. I'm raising my own expectation. I'm not waiting for leadership in the church to, to, to pull something out of me. I'm pulling myself up. I'm deciding God has got me. He is good. He is for me. I'm choosing to raise my own expectation. Jesus, Jesus says, have what your faith expects. Over and over again, if you expect it a little, you get a little. If you expect it a lot, I believe you'd get so much more. You know, the great explorers that have gone to unknown places and discovered continents. I mean, guys like Cook and, and Columbus, they, they had a belief, a vision, that there was something else out there, something worth exploring, somewhere new to go. And yet every day in their ships, they had to get up to the, what they called the bird's nest. It's that top place on the mast. And they would look out their telescope and hoping to see land. And more days than not, they didn't see anything. But every once in a while, over time, with that raised elevation and expectation, they would see what they're looking for. I think that's the beauty of gathering in church on Sundays. Collectively, we're just deciding we're going to raise our expectation for what God wants to do in this church. We're going to raise our expectation for what God can do in my life. We're going to see those promised places come to pass when we have an elevated viewpoint. We cannot live down at just how we see it. That's what faith is. It's the substance of things that we're hoping for, what we're believing for, what we're contending for. I want to encourage you to come next week at Heart for the House. We're not a perspective of what church can do for you, but what you can do for the church. That we're coming looking to the glorious future of what the destiny of this next season of our church looks like and, uh, and walking in generosity and obedience. And I think Peter, Peter and John are like the best to learn from. Like it could have been any of the other apostles, but God chose them uh, in this story, I, I think on purpose. Now, if I could read in between lines for just a moment, I think Peter's there because Peter represents just like childlike faith. Like just he'll try it before he thinks about it. Like he's out of the water chasing after Jesus before he realizes what am I doing and begins to sink. He's kind of got a rowdy faith. Like he's the one that cuts the ear off of a guy. Notice like he, you know, they, the Pharisees did not stone him. They were afraid they're gonna get their ear cut off. Like he was... He was aggressive in faith. I think many of us, we need to get back to simple faith. If God said it, I'm going to believe it. If Jesus says, come out on the water, I'm going to go ahead and go. He represents just a passion to be where Jesus is and to do what Jesus says. And then John, the other apostle that's there, John in his own gospel says, John, the disciple that Jesus loved. I mean, you know, he wrote that gospel, so he gave himself that own nickname. Like, you ever want to give yourself your own nickname? He did. He's like, I'm going to write it how I see it. I am the one that Jesus loves. I think he could do that because he had a revelation of God's great love for him. And if you want to see miraculous things happen in our world and in your life and in the people around you, you need to get your faith and your love raising the expectation. Those things work together. In fact, I think when faith and love team up is a place where miracles happen to simplify our faith and to simplify our belief. If God loves me so much, why would he not do this for me? If God loves people so much, why would he not use me, ordinary me, to 
do something extraordinary to reach these people. You know, we had a, a power outage in our house a couple weeks ago. And um, I'm useless on anything mechanical. Um, like, I probably shouldn't have my man card with the, how little I can actually fix things. But I know where the breaker box is. And I have no idea where anything goes. I just know if I flip enough switches, magic is going to happen. I don't, Harry Potter could be involved for all I know. I don't. I'm just like, breaker, breaker, one, nine. And I'm like switching stuff around. All of a sudden, voila, the right things align and there's power. I tell you, if you haven't seen God show up in your life, if you haven't seen a miracle in your life, the conduits to which God works are faith and love. Faith and love. And those are decisions you make. How much does God love you? How much do you believe that God loves people? Do you believe that when you obey God's word, you're going to get God results? And if we can get those things, raising our expectation that we can trust God to do what he said he would do, because we know how much he loves us, we'll begin to see absolutely incredible. And I'm not saying there's going to be lame people walking all around. Of course, God could do that, but there's a reason why this story makes it in to the Acts account is because it was extraordinary. But what I am telling you this is that if you would live with an everyday expectation that with God all things are possible to him who believes, you would begin to see raised lives, changed lives, people coming back to faith. You'd begin to see revival working through you to this world that so desperately needs it around us. Because everywhere you go, there goes God's power. Everywhere you go, there goes God's presence. On their way to church, on their way to church, they passed by the gate, the gate called Beautiful. The gate was called Beautiful because it was just that. It was beautiful, it was ornate, it was golden, it was gilded, it was, it was incredible. It was the best that man could make. And yet, outside of the gate was what God cares about the most, the best that God made, humanity. That's the crown of his creation. Let's not be so focused on getting to church, on getting through the gate that we don't open up a place and space and time and opportunity for those that need it the most that are all around us. Because I truly believe this, people are the promised land. This is why we build church. This is why we give in heart for the house. This is why we invite and pray for our neighbors. Why? We believe that people are the promised land. It's the closest thing to God's heart is what he is after. So it should be high on our list of what we care about. Peter said, hey, look at us. Look at us. And the man says he expected something. He got a whole lot more than he expected. I believe this. If you raise your expectation, you're going to get a whole lot more than just what you thought God could do. He will it might take a little while to do it, and we don't always understand his timing, but we will be blown away with the end result when we live our life with a raised expectation. How grateful this man must have been. What a great day for him that the disciples, like they left their wallet in their other robe, and what they had was an everyday expectation that with God all things are possible to him who believes. Peter said, I don't have silver and gold. I don't have what you think you need, but I have what you really need. In the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I know our excuse, our excuse is like, yeah, Pastor Kyle, those are the apostles. They're kind of like a big deal in the church. But you couldn't be farther from the truth. Although these were amazing men who gave up their lives for the advancement of the gospel, they're ordinary people like you and me. In fact, the Bible says Elisha, who who did miraculous power. He's just a man like you and I. 
In fact, the difference is that they had faith to believe in Jesus. In fact, if you really look at the account of the Gospels, you would see that these guys were absolutely nobodies. And yet they'd been with a somebody. In fact, that's what we see in this very same story. In Acts chapter 4, this is the next chapter, that the Pharisees call them all together because there's a revival breaking out in the temple courts. And in Acts 4.13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness. This is the key. We've got to have faith that moves us to action, to have some courage like Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men. You know, the Greek word there is idiotase, which is where we get the word idiot from. Which is why God can use a person like me. He can use idiots every day. Average, below average people. Because God does not look on outward appearance. He doesn't look at your accreditation. He doesn't look at family of origin. He doesn't look at your past and mistakes. They've been buried in the sea of forgetfulness by the grace of God. He is looking at his power at work within you. And he's looking at a humble person. If you'd be willing to leverage your everyday life for something beyond yourself. He's saying, I can do something through a person like that. He says they were average people that had no education in the scriptures. No special training required. But they knew that they were people, they'd seen them, the people that were near Jesus. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Their everyday carry was not an education. It was an expectation. It was boldness. It was courage. It was compassion. It was compassion for people that were hurting all around them. In America, if you don't get your high school diploma, you can get a GED, which means like a general education diploma. Normally that's thought of of a person that dropped out of school, had an issue, maybe even an addiction. And if you have a GED, even though it's something great that you could have, it's looked at with a little bit of a stigma. And I think we do that in church sometimes. We look at where people came from. We look at how long they've been following Jesus. We know their past story, their testimony, and it's nasty. And that was supposed to be funny, but no. Uh, And we try to limit what God can do through people. I'm so thankful that God doesn't do that. I'm so thankful that God meets us where we're at and takes us where we're called to be as grace. You might not have a GED, but you can be used by G-O-D. Like God can use any and everybody. Do not let an excuse of someone else's perspective of you stop your expectation of what God can do through you. Because why? If you just stay close to Jesus, stay committed, I think gather around the house. I think about David. He was left out in the field when it came time for the anointing of who the king would be in Jesse's house. But he came to the house. He was the one that, his own family didn't think he was qualified to be used by God to lead, to be an influencer. He had the worst job. Shepherding was the worst job for the lowest of the low. And he he was out there just being faithful as a nobody. But the presence of God showed up through the prophet of Samuel and he was anointed that day. And guess what? David goes right back out to his ordinary life. But there's some giants in his future. There's a throne in his future. There's an anointing in this house. You keep coming in the house. You might have been a nobody, but you're going to leave here anointed by God. And yes, you're going to go back to your normal job on Tuesday. You're going to go back to your normal school. You're going to go back to your family. But guess what? There's some new presence of power of God that's going to be on your life. And watch and see the appointment and the promotion of heaven will come upon your life. Don't miss what happens in this place. Everyday expectation, God's power works through me when it's not about me. When it's not about me. I'm not just having faith for myself. I'm having a 
sacrificial faith. Ultimately, if I live my life for the benefit of God and others, that act of humility, I said this last night, you're putting yourself under God's mighty hand. You're saying, God, I'll be underneath your hand. I'll be your hand. I'll be the touch of Jesus in the lives of the people around me. And you are a perfect candidate for God promotion when you get your eyes off of yourself. The power is for the plan of God, and the plan of God is always for people. And when you live your life for other people, watch and see, God will promote you, but you won't even care because you've grown up in your faith. You've got some varsity faith that what I'm believing for isn't for me. It's what can God do through me. I love that the power of God was not flowing out of the church, but it was walking up the stairs. Everywhere you go, there's Jesus. Everywhere you go, there's an opportunity for miraculous move of God. It might not always be a healed body, but it can be hope for hurting people. It can be today's invitation to your your waitress at the restaurant can be tomorrow's salvation. In many ways, today is even more important than tomorrow. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Just make a decision today. Give me your best today and watch and see what I'll do in your tomorrow. Today's preparation of what God is doing in us is tomorrow's promotion. Today's like excitement and desire for more of his presence is tomorrow's revival. Today's the day you have to choose, what will I let God do through me today? Tell me this, is it God's hand or Peter's hand that picks that guy up? The answer is yes, it's both. Was it David's stone or was it God's guidance that slayed Goliath? Yes, it was both. Because if we don't move every day, ordinary life underneath his purpose, his purpose doesn't prevail through us. We're the hands and feet of Jesus. And we need to be active and engaged with an expectation that every single day, God can do something amazing. Keep leaning in. When we lean in, faith rises up. Peter looks straight at him and says, hey, give me your attention. I don't have much to give you, but what I have, I'll tell you right now, in the name of Jesus. Let's not waste that name that's been given to us. The name of Jesus should be in our language and on our life all of the time. It's the name that's been given to us. It's the name above every name. And at that name, everything else has to bow in this world. Let's know that we have like this power of God has a password. It's Jesus. I love that Peter doesn't pray an elaborate prayer. He just says, in Jesus' name. Let's make sure that the word Jesus, the name Jesus, is just flowing through our lives everywhere that we go. Don't be intimidated to use that name. Don't be intimidated to look at a hurting person and says, hey, Jesus loves you. There's power in the name. It's the password to God's power, to God's plan unfolding in the lives of the people that are around us. You know, my kids have a broken toy. I'm almost done. Kids have a broken toy. They bring it to me. I'm not very handy, but I can change batteries on stuff, right? And they ask me if I can do it. And of course, like anytime I have the time, I'm gonna do it, why? I want them to enjoy it. I want them to experience, I want them to, if I love them, I wanna take care of them. Now, some of you have situations in your life that it's far beyond just a replacement of a battery. There's some real brokenness and some real pain. Some people that we do life with, maybe even our own family, our workplace, or our school, there's some real pain, some real brokenness. And what we're asking is, God, would you do something for them? And me as a decent dad, as a good dad, I try my best but I have limited skill and ability. I can fix some things, but the God of heaven can fix everything. 
everything. There is not a broken place that he can't mend. There's not a situation or scenario that he can't show up and bring some good out of. So what we need to do is realize that God's hand is working through us, the church. We're not on the outside. We're not on the peripheral. We're right in the center of culture. We've got to change the way that we think. It doesn't mean just one big revival service. It's every day we carry that spirit of revival in us. I know there's some people in this room, you feel more like the person left outside the gate. You're still broken in some place of your life. Maybe not lame in your legs, but life has been lame or broken. You might feel crippled in your career or your marriage or your finances or even your physical body. And you're just waiting for a touch of heaven. I hope you just in a few moments, we're gonna pray that you'd have a raised expectation that God's presence and power, who cares so much about you, cares so much about you, that he's gonna meet your need. He's gonna touch you. He's gonna speak to you. He's gonna restore you. He's gonna transform you. David, David in Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. And that's the decision we have to make. Am I looking down at my circumstances? Am I looking down at my daily life? Or am I looking up? Am I, am I, do I, does the gospel cause me to elevate my perspective? He says, from where does my help come from? Oh, I know, I remember. My help comes from the Lord. My help comes from the one who made heaven and earth. If you have the right perspective of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, then you can know that you know that although you might not do it on your timeline or exactly in this moment, that he who began this, this good work in you is faithful to complete it. And you might feel broken, but you do not have to leave here feeling that same way. You can look up, and we don't look up to any old mountain, we look up to one hill, it's called Calvary. That if he did that for me, why would he stop? If he traded Jesus for me, why would God not give me every good thing and literally give me his living presence on the inside of me? I'd like to take us through a moment, a couple moments of prayer. And not just to go through the motions of closing out a church service, but to have a God encounter. How many need a God encounter in your life? Come on, raise your hand. We're always eyes wide open. Just, you need a God encounter. I want more God encounters. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every lifted hand. They need an encounter from heaven. Some of them feel like that person, like that man left crippled at the gate, haven't been able to walk into all that you have for them. But Lord, I thank you things are gonna beginning to change. And you're not coming through an apostle, you're coming by your spirit. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is speaking to their situation. And Lord, I think they are choosing right now by faith to elevate their perspective, not looking at their circumstance or their situation, not looking at their yesterday. They're looking to the glorious hope that we have in Christ. They're looking up to Calvary and said, God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you started and your grace is sufficient for me. And you who began that good work on the cross will complete it in my life in Jesus' name. I thank you for healed bodies. I thank you for mended marriages. I thank you for restored hearts. I think that anxiety and fear and depression has to flee in the name of Jesus. I thank you for those that have lacked provision, that you are their source and you are their strength and you are their provider in Jesus' name. For those that have lacked direction, Lord, I thank you, you're directing the steps of your children like never before. Holy Spirit, here we are, just as we are. And we thank you that by your right hand of grace, Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, we're reaching up and grabbing a hold of all that you have for us, and we are rising again to everything you have. Thank you for what you started. Thank you 
for what you're doing and thank you that it is finished. Let's just keep our heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here and you need a fresh start with Jesus. I'm not saying coming to church because the truth is you can know a little bit about God but not know him. Knowing a little bit about God, maybe grew up in church, that's, that's actually religion. But to know God is relationship, and that's only available through Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. It's a prayer of decision. It's a believer's prayer. We love this at church. It's, it's our moment to join in with you as you make a decision that matters more than, listen, more than any other decision in your life. Because if Jesus isn't first in your life, you're missing the whole point of life. Some of you, you've, you've prayed this prayer before, but you've been going and living life your own way and you know it. And maybe that's why you came back to church today. You want to get a little bit closer to God. But the truth is he's followed you all the way from where you went to, and he's the one who brought you here today. And what you'll find is you thought you wandered off, but if you would just turn around, literally in your heart, you'll find that Jesus is right there. You don't have to fix yourself up. In fact, you couldn't on your own ability. He's going to meet you right where you're at. He will warmly embrace you from the inside out, and things will begin to change. If you're here and you need a fresh start with Jesus, or maybe for the very first time, give your heart to him. We're going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray it all together. It's one big spiritual family, but I want to know who we're praying with. No one looking around. This is between you and God, but just an act of humility and a surrendered life to Jesus. If you're here and you say, Pastor Kyle, I need a fresh start with Jesus. I'm praying this prayer. Would you just lift up your hand real quick? I just want to count you in. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Can't see every hand, but God says, I see you. 13, 14, 15, 16. I see you up there. You're awesome, awesome. Well done. 20 plus people. I might miss your hand. Here's the best part of it. God did not miss your heart. I see you. That's awesome. Can we pray together, church family? One big, one big spiritual family. Hey, why don't we open up our eyes and lift up our heads? Because the Bible says we have a face-to-face God. We just do that moment to give some persons some sanctuary. This is a celebration of salvation. Come on, let's pray it all together. Pray it loudly. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it, but you gave it. I was far from you, separated by sin, but you sent a rescuer. His name is Jesus. And on his cross, he took my sin. He buried my shame. He rose from the grave. I give you my heart. I turn from my old life. I give you my future. I receive your grace. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And a faith-filled church said, amen. Hey, why don't we stand to our feet? Hey, welcome to the family of faith. If you made that decision, let's worship God with all of our hearts. I love you all very much.